Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, Stan the Man, Paul Segretto, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Hello everyone in the franchise world, my name is Paul Segreto and this is Franchise Today. Today is Wednesday, August 16th and I'm reporting live from Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada where the temperature is a seasonally cool 98 degrees. At least that's what the weathermen have been saying on TV. In any event, it's usually now that I bring on my co-host, Stan Friedman, who then shares the weather in his area. But today, we're doing something a little bit different on Franchise Today. It's actually long, long, long overdue. Today, Stan will be in the spotlight as we discuss his successful, illustrious career in franchising, his many, many, many contributions to our great industry and community, and, of course, his insight about technology and franchising today. But before I bring on Stan, let's talk about the front of the house. Yeah, this is the part of the show that Stan typically presents, but as he sits anxiously awaiting his cue, I will give you a little bit of an update on today's front of the house. Um, The IFA says, calling all franchisees, we need your voice. Changes in Washington can drastically affect your franchise. Equip yourself with the knowledge to protect and enhance your business by attending IFA's Franchise Action Network annual meeting September 11th through 13th in Washington, D.C. If you haven't already registered, and of course, franchise professionals as well, please do so at franchise.org. Just a quick reminder, uh, Franchise Capital Exchange is next week in Chicago, and the following week, of course, Brian Schnell and his team at Fagery Daniels at the Summit in Minneapolis the following week. And that's, of course, right into the Labor Day weekend. Oh, my God, where has the summer gone? You know, on the BeTheBoss.com site, which is part of MFE Expo's exposition, it states, Stan's passion for helping individuals and companies achieve their goals via franchising is evidence by his service to the franchise community, and I absolutely could not agree more. Stan, you know, I love that I can welcome you to Franchise Today. Welcome. Well, thanks, Paul. This kind of feels funny. A little funky, doesn't it? It's a little bit different. (laughs) It it is a little bit different. You know, first of all, we're not texting back and forth like we usually do (laughs) behind the scenes so that we don't step on each other and step on on the guests. And, of course, we're usually in a very progressive manner working together uh, to ask questions and take the, um, the individual through the, uh, the guest or the, uh, the show. And uh, so that should be old hat for us. But I think this is definitely long overdue, Stan. I mean, you uh, every, every week, every time I talk to you, I learn something new, something that you, uh, you certainly give back to the uh, – to the franchise community in so many different ways. And it's, and it's interesting um, that as we're talking to different guests whose paths 
you might have crossed at some time in your career, I find out, you know, something new uh, about a certain stop on your career. And uh, I think it's time, and as I said at the beginning, it's long overdue that we go ahead and, uh, and let our audience know entirely about, you know, Stan Friedman and, and your, your, your long career and everything that you do in franchising. So why don't we start as we typically do with our guests. Take us back. Take us back about Stan Friedman as far back as, as you'd like to go and bring us up to uh, where we are today. So does that mean I have to do what I do all the time when people uh, ask how you know how long we've been around? And I I always quip that I'm the guy who told Ben Franklin go fly a kite. That's how long I've been around. Paul. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, I that's can, what I heard. I can I can go back to um, I can go back to the years where I should have been doing the things that most people do in preparation for their careers. But in my years. That should have been the best, you know, school years. I was not exactly the model student. Uh, I had a hard time even getting into the classroom. You know, I could figure out ways to cut classes and not get caught. <laughs> you know, I was just always a planner. But, um, you know, those early years, um, I didn't pay enough attention to the things that I should have then. And so, you know, I found my way to franchising through a career in broadcast first, which was exactly right for me because it was a completely irresponsible lifestyle, a completely irresponsible industry. Anybody who ever watched WKRP in Cincinnati, that couldn't be any more spot on for uh, the stereotypical life in, in radio. And um, so, you know, I got to hang with people I shouldn't have and, and party around in places that I otherwise would never have had access to. And, you know, just live life in the fast lane. And it was a pretty irresponsible life. It was me, my dog, you know, Chinese food, waterbed. <laughs> Those were the early years. Um, <laughs> just hanging out and, and living life in the moment, which everyone says you should do. Um, I did it for a number of years. And then, you know, at some point, uh, Peter Pan grew up. Um, I was working my last radio job in Dallas. Well, no, it was in Miami, Miami, Florida. Uh, where I got exposed to franchising. And it was through a radio station client that I learned about franchising. And it was in the real estate world. It was conversion franchising. It was a little bit apart from the things that most of us in the mainstream of franchising experience because we're always typically looking for startups and newbies where in the real estate world it was conversions. You'd drop into a market and you would know who your targets were. The top two, three, four, or five independent brokers were the ones that you would find listed in the homes magazines, the ones that had the lion's share of listings and the most agents. And those would be the ones that we'd go to and to try to convince them that um, everything that they had that they thought and deemed to be themselves as the franchise, you know, that we could show them things that they could do to better compete for agents and to better have training and reload services and things like that available to them that uh, that would make them uh, assured that they could hold on to their segment of the market. And in those years, Remax was really just popping onto the grid. And in most major markets, uh, brokers that were typically splitting commissions with their high-performing agents were losing their high-performing agents to this thing called Remax, which was the 100% concept. There were no splits on commissions. Remax agents just paid their brokers for desk space 
and didn't pay commissions. So a lot of the top agents in any market in the country were peeling off and going to Remax. And of course, guys like me would show up to those brokers doors and say, so how's it feel to be number two now? You know, the top of the, of the market has <laughs> gone to Remax and, and more of it's going to go there if you don't protect yourself with something that keeps your people here. And that was kind of fear of loss was a great motivator with real estate brokers. But that's how I got into franchising. I, I got into it calling on high profile net worth individuals, real estate brokers with big egos and trying to help them understand that they may have been rock stars in their minds and they may have been the big name and the big gun in their minds in that marketplace, but that, you know, a couple hundred miles down the road, nobody's ever heard of you, but they all know my name. You know, they all know my brand. <laughs> right. We're global. And that's how it started. Very interesting. Well, that's very interesting. And then from there, you, uh, you actually wound up with a couple of brands with some, uh, Pretty uh, pretty popular names. Why don't you take us through that track? Well, I was getting relocated out of Atlanta by ERA Real Estate, moving me to Dallas, which is a place I'd had a number of years in my life, lived there and, and loved Dallas. But my wife wasn't real happy about going to Dallas. She loved our house. She loved Atlanta. And, um, and you know, we were faced with a move to Dallas, and I had an opportunity then to, um, to stay in Atlanta and to get into the broader spectrum of franchising with a company called Blimpy Subs and Salads. And I made a move to Blimpy. That would have been 1996 or so, maybe 97, and um, joined Blimpy as a national franchise development director. It was the first of three jobs or three titles that I had at Blimpy. And it was a, a whole new world for me. I really got exposed to things in the franchise world that you don't see when you're just in the real estate side of franchising. The real estate companies sure. typically didn't they didn't get involved with IFA. You know, everything with them was the National Association of Realtors or their own conventions, but they weren't really IFA centric back in those days. So I didn't get exposed to anything like that until I went to work for Blimpy, and I had a boss who was the guy who hired me. Actually, I wound up replacing him very shortly thereafter, Dennis Fuller, who's still one of my closest friends in franchising. Dennis did something that really set the tone for me and my attitude toward franchising and IFA. Dennis took me around. In fact, it was the year that MFV took the IFE to Chicago. Do we all remember what a train wreck that year was when – <laughs> that that event moved from it moved from Washington after years in D.C. It went to Chicago, and um, as I remember, there was one big ticket. Like Franjam has become the big ticket every year for convention time. That the must go to party is Franjam. Well, during the MFV show in Chicago, there was a go to party that everybody wanted to be invited to, and it was Ronda Sanderson and Victoria Conte. Victoria was then with Success Magazine. And she and Rhonda would put on a shindig that everybody wanted to get invited to. And Dennis got me invited. And so I met a whole lot of people at that first, you know, it was kind of like my coming out party with Blimpy. And I met a ton of people. And Dennis just kind of transferred all of his relationships. And he'd been around a long time. Dennis gave all of his relationships to me. He basically gave me access and told everybody that he had a tight friendship and kinship with 
You know, this is what you have given me, give to him. This is a good guy, and he's on my well, team now. And, he, and, all. and after Dennis knew I was going to be replacing him, he basically did the same thing. He just gave me complete rights of passage to his Rolodex, and he transferred title and ownership of all of his relationships to me and gave me a fast wow. track unlike any that you could have prayed for. It would have taken years for me to establish the kinds of relationships that Dennis helped me establish right then out of the gate. And I think that it was at Blimpy too that IFA became important because um, the guy who approved Dennis hiring me, he's no longer with us, but he was an executive VP and at Blimpy, his name was Chuck Linus. Chuck was the president of the New York State Restaurant Association, and he was on the board of directors of the IFA. And when Chuck hired me, I don't even know if anyone at IFA has ever heard this or not. When Chuck hired me, he gave me a mandate. And the mandate was, you're going to put in your 40-hour, minimum 40 hours a week working for Blimpy, but you're also going to commit to at least 40 hours a month as a committee member at IFA. You're going to have to join a committee. I'm going to give you two or three that I want you to look at. But you're going to give 40 hours a month to the IFA because I'm on the board and, you know, I need support from our people. So all executives at this company do IFA work. Basically what Chuck was saying was, you do the work, I'm going to get the credit, but, uh, <laughs> but you're going to do that. You're going to, make, you're going to make IFA commitment. And Chuck really influenced me strongly to get involved with the Minorities and Franchising Committee and wanted me to uh, to go do work on that committee. You know, Blimpy, you know, was a Hoboken, New Jersey-based company, or born out of, actually, right. it was based in New York. But Hoboken and inner cities in the Northeast were where Blimpy's brand really gained the most traction in the early years. And Chuck felt like it would be a good place for me to go to be working on the Minorities and Franchising Committee, and that's literally how all the work in diversity began was because of Chuck. Wow. And, of course, that led to the um, Harrison Award, the Diversity Award uh, that the IFA bestowed upon you uh, several years back. It's interesting. I had never heard, you know, that part of the story. But in between then and, uh, and Blimpies, you had a couple of other stops. Uh, why don't you uh, share some of that? Happy to. And before we close off on Chuck and Blimpy I, and that, the award, Paul, I was very proud to get that award. Um, at Blimpy, I created an initiative that was called Bill, B-U-I-L-D, and that stood for the Blimpy Urban Initiative for Leadership Development. And we were giving wow. people the opportunity to get a free Blimpy franchise and have to pay for the franchise fee if they put it in any of the federal empowerment zones or enterprise zones in the country. And it got Tony Kahn's of Blimpy's founder and CEO and myself a day at the White House. And we spent the day in 98, it was the summer community empowerment conference, the White House community empowerment conference. And we spent a full day um, with Clinton Gore and a whole bunch of people we had no business being with. Mayors of many cities and economic development officers, people throwing business cards at us when you come into you know, our town with this initiative. Um, it was quite an it was quite an incredible experience, one I'll treasure and never forget. Um, albeit not for the reasons of which side of the aisle was in office at the time, but really it was a powerful experience for me, and um, and I really treasure those memories. On from Blimpy, I went to work traveling around the world for a 
company that was called World Sites, today known as WSI Internet, and spent some years um, not selling or awarding franchises there, but just helping at a time, in a moment in time, where anything that had a dot-com after it was golden. This is 1999, um, before the 2000 uh, dot-com bubble burst. Anything associated with the Internet was just moving at the speed of light. And I was tasked with trying to help a company that was franchising Internet services keep pace with those who have been buying franchises. And weeks, months later, some of the fundamental parts of the offerings when they made the acquisition of the franchise were moving at the speed of light. So think about having all these different versions of franchisees out there month over month in a, in a sandwich business like a blimpy. If we trained somebody in 1996 or seven, somebody even 10 years later was getting fundamentally the same training. Sure, sandwiches come in and out, menu items change, but the fundamentals of your brand are fundamentally the same. With the internet, Paul, we know how quick this, in, you know, this industry and technology has moved. And so you had people that were acquiring franchises all over the world and and acquiring a franchise at a moment in time where what they bought is what they thought everyone else has. And now you've got every month different versions of your franchise out there. Sure. Um, it, it took some effort. It took some effort to harness all that and to, and to bring the, the offering, to pair the offering to a, down to a place where the fundamentals could be the same over time. And, uh, and great, you know, great learning experience for me. And it was a great learning experience for the brand, and happily, they were able to um, fine-tune it, and uh, WSI continues to thrive and do well. And, in fact, the um, the people that were part of my life then are still part of my life now. And so, as I've always said, Paul, I'd love to move along and change shirts and change brands, but collect people every step of the way, and those that we meet and, and we value, we hold on to and bring them back into our lives again at a later date. Yep. Always seems to be the case when I'm speaking with you and you bring it up somebody from um, a conference a year ago or, or um, a path that you crossed five years ago. And it always amazes me when we bring on uh, a guest who's been in franchising uh, as long as us. And it, it comes about, that they mentioned something that they someplace they were at 20 years ago, and you say, "Oh, did you know so and so? Oh, I remember <laughs> this." And and all of a sudden there's a uh, a dot, a couple of dots connected, and uh, I just shake my head in in amazement because you certainly uh, have made quite an impact over the years. And um, I mean, you know, receiving the uh, the Ronald E. Harrison Diversity Award from the IFA, I know had to be a uh, one of the one of the key high points um, in your life and in your career, and and you know, it, it in my opinion uh, certainly was very very uh, well deserved. Um, so uh, you 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 were at WSI and then you leave. So let's fill in the gap between then and where you are today. Well, Wing Zone was the next stop, which was an amazing experience for me as well, and so many. Um, so many parallels there. You know, um, I met Matt Friedman at a franchise update conference. 
here in Atlanta. One year when I was still in Blimpy, I was not. Actually, I was at WSI, and I was traveling around the world and doing a lot of global globe trotting. And uh, I spoke at the conference, and at the end of the session, as sometimes happens, people that don't want to raise their hand or ask a question or say hello, you know, or say something publicly mm-hmm. want to come say hello to you at the end of the session. And so at the end of the session, Matt Friedman walked up along with another gentleman named Phil Friedman. And I didn't know either of them. Now, I didn't know either that there was another Friedman anywhere in franchising much less <laughs> in the same building as me. And so Matt, Matt comes up and introduces himself, and I say hello to him. And then I kind of look over and see Phil's badge, and I look at Phil, who's an older gentleman, and I look at Matt, and I made the assumption that so many people over the years that I was at Wing Zone made about Matt and me. I said, you know, you must be his dad. And he said, no, we just met 10 minutes ago. <laughs> And now we're coming up here to meet another Friedman. So that day, I learned uh, more about Matt and Phil Friedman. And and, um, Matt continued to ping me and write me emails and send me uh, correspondence. And, you know, again, I've been all over the world. I'd get an email from Matt and say, maybe we go grab a lunch next week. And I'd say, I'm in, you know, the U.K. or somewhere. But Matt and I started talking professionally about things. And, you know, he was at a stage where Wing Zone then was maybe 25 or 30 or 35 units. And uh, he just picking my brain. And we came to learn through getting to know each other that um, we grew up in very close neighborhoods to each other in New York, never knew each other. We lived a mile or two apart here in Atlanta and never knew each other. And ultimately, I became partners with he and Adam Scott and spent from 03 to 06 and some of the most fun and wonderful memories of my franchising career are all relevant to wing zone and the fun that we had with the Buffalo wing festival, which is still a huge part of my life. Um, those were good years and those are great guys and, um, and they're smart guys and it was just great being a part of that growth and experience. And again, Paying forward by paying back, paying back by paying forward. It all started with Dennis Fuller, and it just continued to roll like a snowball for me. More and more involvement in programs like IFA, more and more initiatives through my work in diversity, friends that I made along the way in that world that I never would have known, people I never would have had exposure to. My buddy Don Graves, who wound up in the Obama White House, um, somebody that I've done work in diversity with, through the IFA when he was a lobbyist, I'd never have known Don. And, um, and there are many others like him that would have never entered my life. Our paths would have had no other reason to intersect. And through those intersections and common beliefs and things that we shared passion for, um, great friendships were born and they continued to be a part of my life. That's absolutely tremendous. You know, it's, as you're you're mentioning that about Wing Zone, you know, I started thinking about, you know, how all these dots connect even further, and how they continue. Of course, you you mentioned the um, as we were talking about earlier the show. You know, coming up on Labor Day weekend is the uh, uh, the annual the annual Wing event that you're always part of, so you can uh, share some of that information. But it's even though you have nothing to do with that industry segment, your connection remains. And what always amazes me 
is all the different things that, that you're involved in, uh, professional athletes franchise uh, initiative, which obviously um, has a lot to do with uh, diversity as well and, and dealing with professional athletes in the twilight of their career. The uh, commitment that you have to the IFA, not only just as an active member, but you know, being on, um, on the board and being very involved in the, in the supplier uh, side of things. Um, this Southeast uh, franchise form, I mean, just the, the list goes on and on over the years. Um, and, and certainly what BeTheBoss.com stated, you know, your passion for helping individuals and companies achieve their goals via franchising, I mean, it's, it's just been absolutely tremendous. But what I've also seen, Stan, um, that I admire a lot is a, a lot of times you, you do this in a very subtle way. It's there's no um, grandeur, there's no um, you know big showcasing, and it's very subtle. You connect the dots, and I know just um, last year uh, stepping in and doing the A disease of, of franchising, uh, you made an impact on an individual uh, that we just recently talked about. Share that story. I, I think that's a, a tremendous story, and I think it just epitomizes how well you do connect the dots. Well, that's kind of it was a fun thing to do and and it's more rewarding than ever to you know to get the back end conclusion a year or so later to, for something that you did when you did it um selflessly um you know I was given the privilege by Tom Portese and Steve Gross at MFV to um to deliver the program in Dallas and at Franchise Expo South and West that Dr. John Hayes has for years been teaching at the IFE in New York, the A to Z's of buying a franchise. And I got invited to do that because it was, um, you know, they needed somebody who had the cred and, and knew what's going on, but wouldn't necessarily be in a straight line of fire where uh, you could benefit directly or commercially from the material that you were teaching. You're in, you've got a room full of people that pay MFV a hundred bucks or so and whatever it is to, to learn how to go down on the floor of that show and, and to, um, you know, to learn about buying a franchise. And, and so they needed somebody who could teach it, but wouldn't have any commercial connectivity directly. And that was why mm -hmm. I said I'd do it. And to me, you know, I, I sponsor the shows and I sponsor MFV as a non showcased or non participating in, in that I don't have a booth, non exhibiting supplier. Cause there's really no need in my current position to to have a booth at a show the um I'm, I'm not there nobody's there to talk to me about software they're there to you know to exhibit right. and talk to prospective franchisees but i i support the shows and and i met somebody that was part of that class and he contacted me after the class sent me an email thanking him for what what he learned and um and i further talked with him and gave him the names of some of the leading brokers that he may want to. Uh, he wanted to have a conversation with some brokers to learn more about how he can proceed. And I, I put him in touch with two or three brokers. He made a decision in favor of one, and actually a year or so later, just bought a franchise. And the broker called to remind me of the fact that I made that connection for him. And I said, "Look, you know, you closed the deal, but that guy bought a franchise because he went to Franchise Expo South." The show is what delivered the opportunity for him to learn what he learned in the A to Z's. He went down, he walked the floor, he 
got comfortable with a little bit more about what to talk about and how. And then, of course, you as a broker guided him further and helped him through his introspectives to narrow down what it was he was going to look for. But, you know, you got to love it when a year later you hear back from somebody whose name you never would have remembered knowing and find out that you touched him in a way that impacted his life positively. And, and, um, and now he's a franchisee. And fran- thankfully, he's a franchisee of a brand that's also a client of mine. So in more than... Yeah, the cherry on the... Yeah, the cherry on the top, for sure. But that's, but that's the kind of thing that makes... That's what makes franchising what it is, Paul. It's that interdependency. It's that, it's that people part of life that in so many other businesses get lost. You know, I think back to people that have been part of my life, like Ron Feldman and Nate Greenberg and, and um, Jerry Darnell. And, you know, we, we, Marty Greenbaum. I mean, we just continue to grow and, and travel through changes in our lives. But there's this nucleus of people uh, that continue to be the nucleus of people that always have each other's backs and always know somebody that you don't know that you should know or need to know. Um, you know, you and me experience this every week. We have guests that I can't believe we don't know these people. How have we been in this business for 25, 30 years and we don't know these people? And that yep. it, it just, it's, it's humbling. But sometimes I'll share a V card. You know, Jerry will ask me for contact info on somebody and say, how can you not know them? And vice versa. It happens both ways. But it's an amazing thing, the space that we live in and the way we pay forward to pay back and, and continue. It's kind of like we, we're all protecting the brand of franchising. And IFA, is that's what, if anything at all that IFA does, and it's why the conventions are so meaningful, is because when we go to the convention, we, we flip hats. All of us kind of act like we're franchise. You know, we're franchisees when we go to the convention, and IFA is the franchisor. So no matter what brand you're from, right. no matter what your concept's about, we all go sit in rooms together and we share information that you would never find anybody sharing at a chamber of commerce meeting in a local market and going back home and competing directly. But when we go to convention, we all throw in, and, and the flag that we follow there is IFA, and it's the glue that holds it all together, Paul. Yep, it's certainly one big community. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Paul Segreto, and I'm talking today with longtime franchise professional, trusted colleague, and of course, friend, Stan Friedman. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as for their franchisees. The Franchise Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about Franchise Foundry along with their expanding list of clients at www.franchisefoundry.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers a real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and prospective 
as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost each year, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Stan, um, you had a couple of stops there. You had, um, you also had uh, Maggie Moose uh, and a couple of yep. others uh, along the way. Um, if you want to just touch on them, and then we'll uh, we'll just move on to a couple of other questions that I have. Well, I had some. I had a really short short run with Maggie Moose, Paul. It was almost like it took longer for them to recruit me um, than I actually got <laughs> to spend being there. Um, but it was a fun, it was a fun experience, but it was a short lived one. I joined them just prior to their acquisition of Marble Slab or the acquisition of Marble Slab and Maggie Moose by Nexen Brands. And, um, for various reasons that didn't make sense to me, I mean, I, I was recruited to, to Maggie's because of a culture that, that I was, it was appealing to me, the, the culture that John Jameson was the CEO um, there was a great team that John put together and invited me to be a part of. And all of the reasons that I made the change and and moved on to Maggie Moose were going away with Nexen's acquisition of the company. And it just kind of made me feel like I came here for something that's no longer the reason I, I'm not going to stay. I just didn't want to be there um, because what I left to go there for was no longer going to be existent. So I moved on quickly, sure. and I, I made some changes. Um, I wound up with a friend of many years getting into a concept that I was able to co-found as a franchise business, and that was in 07, and nobody knew then what was coming in 08. But it was a B2B kind of a concept that was very much dependent upon the creation of jobs as the, as the centrist business offering dealt with tax credits that were made available by the government when certain businesses hired in certain geographic areas or in certain demographic categories, tax credits that really could amount to substantial and significant amounts of money. And so I co-founded this franchise brand at a time where it was seemingly making a great deal of sense, but again, nobody knew that the button was going to get pushed in 08 and the recession just took the ground out sure. under us and anything to do with jobs creation was off the table as we all know for a number of years we yep. went into free fall in terms of jobs creation and so that concept went away and uh, my one-time opportunity as a founder went with it and I wasn't <laughs> really ready to go back inside I didn't um, I didn't feel like I could just go take another job right then so I hung a shingle for a while and I did some consulting. 
I had a great time working with the guys down in Florida at I-9 Sports and um, helped them, in fact, put together a process peak system for themselves. Who knew then that that would become important in my future? But um, I did that, and from from there, moved into working with some other uh, boutique companies, smaller brands that that um, needed specialized experience that I was qualified to uh, to help them with. And then um, I spent a couple or three years with Frank Connect and was mm-hmm. the senior VP there for a while. So again, who knew then that um, that this role that I'm in now with FRM would have been on the horizon. So, you know, I feel like everything you do is, is preparation for something down the road. And in the moment, we don't always recognize it that way. And things that happen to us, um, sometimes they're painful. But and, and if you look at them from that point of view and paint yourself a victim, they will remain painful. Um, I've always tried to work through those times knowing that um, there's something coming really, really good, and I'm getting prepared for it by going <laughs> through this right now. And I've said that too, even, you know, even when I sold and was in franchise sales for years and years and years, I'd always want to try to figure out how many no's that I need to get to the next yes. Because if I knew that, no then didn't hurt me anymore. If I needed 18 or 20 or 30 no's to get to the next yes, every no I got put me one closer to the next deal. And so I always have that, you know, front-facing point of view, the windshield, not the rearview mirror. Try to get over the things that you've, you've suffered through. Try to learn from them. But try to help make the next experience one step closer because you needed to live through something that you're going through right now to get you to that next place. With fantastic advice. You know, a lot of people on Franchise Today, um, listening to Franchise Today, and we do have a lot of loyal listeners and new ones every week, um, probably don't really know that it was you, Stan, that uh, is responsible for Franchise Today uh, being where it is today. Because a couple of years ago, um, you and I had a conversation. I think it was after uh, having you as a guest um, on Franchise Day, but you and I had reason to talk, and you had said, you know, where are you going with Franchise Today? And I was at a time where I had just um, didn't really know where I was going. I, I, I kind of lost a little bit of the of the passion. Um, of course, you know, we were coming out of 2008 to 2012 and trying to recover accordingly, so we were all involved in, in building our businesses back to where uh, they needed to be. And I just really wasn't sure where I was going with it. And you proposed uh, us joining forces together. Um, you were doing a, a show on sensible franchising uh, at the time. And uh, and we joined forces. And I'm ever, ever, ever thankful uh, for you uh, for you taking the time um, and and really expressing yourself uh, in a way that you and I had never really had that type of conversation before. And I'm really honored and pleased and thankful uh, that we did because I love what we've done with Franchise Today, taking it to a new level uh, from where we are today. And some of the guests that we've had on the show uh, wouldn't be possible without your involvement. So that's a very heartfelt, warm thanks to you. Well, it goes both ways, Paul, and I've been having a ton of fun doing this, and it um, 
you know, it's rewarding. And I like the discipline of knowing every week that we've got work to do to learn about people. And, and um, hopefully we make a difference in many people's lives who, uh, to take some nuggets out of the people that they get to listen to through our interviews. So all good on that. And I'm thrilled to be part of it as well. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you. So it, there's so many other things that we can talk about. There's the professional athletes, um, franchise initiative. There's, um, you know, where you're going to be in, in at Labor Day involved with the, uh, the annual wing mm-hmm. festival. But of course, seeing um, uh, the clock ticking, so to speak, uh, just 20 minutes ahead of us, uh, I want to make sure talking about, you know, technology um, in franchising today and specifically, you know, your role the last few years with uh, FRM Solutions and, and how important, um, you know, technology has become and will, will increasing um, to heights I don't think we could even imagine. So why don't you give us a little bit of an overview? Like you said, you know, you had WSI, you touched on some of that, the whole Y2K. Um, you, you worked with I9, handling some of the process peak stuff, then Fran Connect. Now bring us up to FRM Solutions. Well, FRM is an acronym, Paul, as well as the name of the company. It's an acronym for Franchise Relationship Management, and it's what we do. Um, we help franchisors manage relationships with both their prospective as well as existing franchisees using a tool that is basically built out of Microsoft Dynamics CRM. So there's two big players in CRM in the corporate world, and Dynamics CRM is one of them, and, and Salesforce is the other. And then the two of them are kind of like fighting over bragging rights, you know, all the time for who's the biggest or who's the best. It's kind of like Chicago and Atlanta when it comes to the airports. If it's not one, it's the other. But, you know, the two of them are arguably the busiest airports in the world. We've taken Dynamic CRM and heavily invested in creating extensions of Dynamic CRM that are franchise-relevant and only franchise-relevant. And so we've built basically what is an out-of-the-box tool that enables franchisors to have the very most powerful and the best CRM software as the center of their offering in Dynamics CRM, but with all the extensions and all the workflows and all the fields and all the things that we've contemplated for the management of franchise relationships, we've upped the game for them and given them something that's far more affordable out of the box than it would have been for them to try to create or customize anything close to this on their own. Now, we still further configure it to each individual client's requirements because we know that most everything about a franchise process is pretty similar. It's usually a six- to eight-week event helping somebody learn about your brand, but your steps at one brand might be different than someone else's. You may do a discovery day early on here and somebody else does a decision day later on there. So we kind of have to configure all of our systems to each individual brand's further requirements. But coming out of the box, we deliver an affordable solution that will help franchisors manage the experiences of each of their sellers having maybe 30 or 35 blips on the radar at at any given time without any balls dropping, Um, getting the email and drip campaigns going and all the touch points working. 
And then we deliver on the candidate side a digital experience for them to learn between their scheduled phone calls in a, in a contained environment, which is built in a WordPress format, such that everything that a candidate is looking at that the franchisor has loaded into that environment for them to be doing their due diligence and their homework between scheduled calls is available for the candidate to look on and click into. And these can be digital documents. These could be online forms. These could be WAV files and streaming videos. But every click that's made by the candidate is reporting back to the seller's dashboard. And so franchise salesperson is in a position of being able to better um, better see who's doing what between their scheduled calls, who's actually leaning in and doing the work they're supposed to be doing. And if you see somebody clicking on a video five or six times, if it were me on the selling side, I'd know that this isn't a person that's really leaning in. They're not just looking at the assets that I'm providing for them. They're showing them to others. Who am I going to call tomorrow first thing? You know, I can tell who to mm-hmm. call by seeing what's going on. I have business intel coming to me that I never used to have any other way. And so that's just one module. We have store opening modules that enable franchisors to use our tool to help them manage the projects and take themselves out of some of the mundane things that they used to have to do manually. You know, the bottom line is if I can give a franchisor back cycles of their time to do productive things that will help add to the top and bottom line for themselves and for their franchisees and stay focused on things that are driving EBITDA and let my technology lift some of those tasks from you that you used to be having to do by yourself. And if you can get back 10 or 15% of your day here and 10 or 15% of your day there for a lot less money than it costs to even add a single person to your head count, I'm doing more for you in many ways and places and for a whole lot less investment of time and money. And that's what FRM does. So it does it in franchise sales, store opening, legal and compliance, operational support. We have all these different buckets that we have built out to assist the professionals in those roles to better fulfill their core competencies and every step of the way know what's going on and be collaborative and cooperative and communicative internally and out. And then it helps leadership when you're using all these modules to start looking at KPIs that are coming out of the metrics that are being developed because now you're seeing things coming out of your departments that are rolling up to support and rolling up to reports to enable you to better work on the business as each of your professionals and each of their departments are working in the business. And that's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. And, you know, as the the show title today was Outside the Box, Thinking Drives Success in Franchising, which I've seen in a number of places as they've uh, described your your bio, so to speak. Uh, But, you know, thinking outside the box, um, what impresses me about what you've been doing with FRM is not just staying – you know, within the core, so to speak, and saying this is what it is and, you know, have a a take it or leave it type attitude, which is very much uh, what I have found the norm with uh, a lot of software providers because we know that it's 
expensive to update and to um, and to add on different things, and they try to force people uh, into a certain little cubby hole, so to speak. And and I haven't found that certainly with with FRM. A matter of fact, uh, I was very impressed and uh, and took a lot of notes about a recent you know Wednesday Wise webinar you did uh, for the IFA, and you talked about you know some of the changes going on in you know franchise development and, and how technology. Uh, is affecting that. Share a little bit about that because I think this is just an extension of the various ways that uh, FRM also helps their clients. Well, Paul, I think some of what you're describing, I thank you for all that and appreciate you you're sharing these kind words back. But, you know, we're in a business that is so unique in that technology, like anywhere, is an important and meaningful a tool for any franchisor to grow and compete in today's world, you've got to have it. But we're in a high-tech, high-touch environment in franchising, and it's it's a combination of both. You're never going to replace a franchise development person with software. You're never going to replace a field support person with software. You're never going to do any of those things that, that, that you know, robots and artificial intelligence and all the things that we can continue to gain access to to help us be better in our businesses are part of the recipe. The people part is something in this world of franchising that will never be displaced. So we have to just get smarter about using the tools that can help us support our franchisees, but not replace our touch with tech. It's never going to work. It's still a people business. It's still a relationship business. But if you can use tools to help you better learn how to manage those relationships, you know, things like those Oracle, um, if you can use things that you can learn from artificial intelligence or from machine learning, if you've got years and years and years of database and, you know, you're just using those to recycle leads or to try to reignite something from years past, I guess it's better than doing nothing, but you can run those databases of information through machine learning and create algorithms that will help you learn some things about who did or didn't buy, who you should have or maybe should not have awarded a franchise to. You can use technology as an incredible support mechanism in your business. It's never going to be a replacement in franchising for the people touch, but you can do so much more with your cycles of time and learn so much more from the data that's collected by employing modern-day technology. As I said on the, pod, on the uh, webinar, if you're going to get into the category of those who want to go north of the 1% or 2% of leads that typically close, um, you cannot continue to drive your dad's old Buick. You've got to get into mm-hmm. the world of available technology to enable you and empower you to be doing more with what you've got and learning more about the people that you're doing business with or potentially doing business with, and then going out and finding more like them and letting the technology assist you in doing so. Yeah, very well said, and and especially about, you know, not replacing people. Um, you're absolutely right, and, and franchising is all about people. It is all about relationships. It is all about interdependency of those relationships. 
let's take a, um, a kind of a, a, a fun part, a fun direction, so to speak. Uh, tell us a little bit about the upcoming um, Wing Festival going on in Buffalo, <laughs> uh, your role in it. But I think probably just as important what I'd like to hear is, you know, why you continue in that when you're so busy in so many other things and it's, you know, appears to be so far away from, you know, what you're doing today. Any yes and no, I guess, Paul. You know, it's kind of like looking at my LinkedIn profile. If you were somebody who didn't know me before and you hit me on LinkedIn, I might appear to be random or eclectic in that all these things that look like they're independently disassociated, but they're all very much connected and anything but random. Uh, the reason I do what I do up there, Paul, you know, from 03 to 06, I participated in that festival and had a blast doing it. And um, Wing Zone um, won a lot of awards, and we made a lot of friends. It's kind of like the work in diversity. I made a lot of friends that I would have otherwise never known. In 06, when I left Wing Zone, and sold my interest in the business. Um, my good friend in Buffalo, New York, Drew Serza, who is the founder and the promoter, he's the empresario, he's a, he's a modern-day P.T. Barnum is what I call him. Um, but Drew runs the festival, and he said, Stan, you're not going to come back anymore. And I said, what do you mean I'm not going to come back anymore? He said, you, you're not going to be back. You know, you sold your interest in Wing Zone, and you don't have a reason to come back. And, you know, Buffalo's not a place that people necessarily just come back to if they don't have a reason for being here. And he and I had forged this incredible relationship and friendship. And Drew, you know, created this thing called the Hall of Flame. It was a kind of a, a lark. Um, he had this idea in his mind, but it never really gained traction. He was too busy doing the festival. So he said, I'm going to appoint you the chairman of the Buffalo Wing Hall of Flame. It'll keep you and me together. It will give us a reason to stay in touch. And we will continue to talk through the year and we'll noodle ideas and brainstorm things. And we did. And we started this Hall of Flame, which we brought people into each year. We celebrated somebody who had a role in moving the chicken wing from the trash can, which is where the chicken wing used to go. It was the least most desirable of the bird, part of the bird to the most expensive mm -hmm. part of the bird. And many times <laughs> yeah, during the year, two on every bird. <laughs> But, a, you know, by the pound, chicken wings can be more expensive than filet mignon in football season. <laughs> so the idea was let's, let's just celebrate people who have made a difference. And each year at the festival, we've made inductions into the Hall of Flame. We brought in the anchor bar where it was all born, where it all started. The founders are long deceased, but we brought honor to them for, for creating this delicacy, which is now a worldwide craze. The following year, we brought the founders of Buffalo Wild Wings, who we said, hey, it all started at the Anchor Bar, but look where it went. These guys took it to Wall Street. And Scott Lowry, uh, who is still um, a tremendous friend, he comes to the festival every year, the founder of Buffalo Wild Wings, his deceased partner, Jim Disbro, obviously, not, not able to make it except in spirit. I brought Matt and Adam, my partners from Wing Zone to the Hall of Flame. We brought Frank's Red Hot, which is a sauce that is universally mm -hmm. uh, the base for so many chicken sauce recipes. Um, 
And this thing has continued to grow. The founders of Wingstop. We even inducted Bill Murray into the National Buffalo Wing Hall of Flame for the 10th anniversary because there'd be no wing festival but for a, a part that Bill Murray played in one of his his eclectic movies, a movie called Osmosis Jones, which was the inspiration for the Wing Fest in the first place. So, you know, Paul, to me, it's just about everything I do. It's the people that you stay connected to. Eric Badlands Booker, who does our our song for the opening of Franchise Today and, and the close, um, he's, in, he's a competitive wing-eating champion. He's, he's part of this federation of competitive eaters that go around the world eating for a living. Um <laughs> Not a bad way to make money, Paul. I don't know. No, but, you I know these not. are friends. <laughs> these are friends that are friends like IFA. The, the same feeling that you and I get every year when we're going to go to convention or we go to the fall conference in D.C. or we're going to the MFV expos. It's the same feeling of anticipation of who you're going to see, and I'm going to be judging with Chef Armand and Don Esmond from the Buffalo News in amateur contests on Saturday and making the inductions to I can't tell you who just yet on Friday night for this year's Hall of Flame inductees. Um, but, you know, Labor Day weekend for the past couple dozen years or dozen years, I guess, has become, this has become as, as much a part of my life as any annual event that we participate in in the franchise side of our world. And I love doing it. Well, that's just, that's just great. That's just great. Well, Stan, we're going to be uh, closing up here pretty quick. And it might be simpler to say, uh, in all the upcoming events over the next few months, which ones won't you be at? But give us, um, <laughs> give us a kind of a, <laughs> of how people can, uh, can find you and where to look for you in the, uh, in, in the very near future. We'll put it that way. <laughs> in the most immediate future, www.frmsolutions.com is the easiest way to find me and um, happy to hear from you. Um, I'll be going up next week to Chicago, sponsoring and participating in the Franchise Capital Exchange, also a sponsor of the Fagre, Baker Daniels Franchise Summit the following week off to Buffalo. From there, we go to IFA to the fly-in for FAN on the 11th, and then right around to the corner from that, we're already looking at Springboard, which we sponsor and participate in with Lane and Brad in Philly. And, and right around the corner from that, where everybody's going to come see me because we'll all be back in Atlanta for a Franchise Development and Leadership Conference in October. So here we are, Paul, at the, at the, at the starting line of what I love to call silly season when it comes to travel and events. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Stan, as always, love you, man. Love having you as my co-host. But more importantly, thanks for being our guest today on Franchise Today. Thank you, Paul, and thanks to everybody who listens, and I'd love to hear from you. And um, please don't hesitate to give me a shout. Until next week, my name is Paul Segreto, wishing you the best, the very best in this great, great thing we call franchising. Franchise Today is out. <laughs> Franchise pros, Stan the Man, Paul Segretto, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising Today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise Today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise Today.
franchise.